Welcome to the Signature Require Podcast. I am your host, Miss Brittany Renee, and today we have Mr. Isaiah Gomez from Ohana here with us. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. Pleasure to be here. Honored. Yes, thanks for answering the call. I'm really excited about you being here and talking about youth advocacy and being a youth advocate for kids that are in Division of Child Safety and just underserved kids. So I want you to just introduce yourself to the audience and give us a little background about yourself. Okay. So my name is Isaiah. I am 27 years young. And um, I have been working with youth in and out of foster care since about 2016. Um, me and my best friend started a nonprofit as we graduated college in 2017 for affordable housing for youth who age out of foster care. And then since then, I've been working in behavioral health uh, facilities, group homes, um, working with like placement centers, court, therapists, hospitals, and churches, and then colleges now to just help with like education on trauma, trauma-informed lens. Like you mentioned, advocating for youth that have just a lot of disadvantages. So those, mm-hmm. those are things I love, but also I love shoes. Okay. You know, I love the dunks. Um, I, love, I love fashion. Um, it's a great creative outlet for me. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's get into uh, your nonprofit and then graduating and how did that come about? Like, what was your childhood like? Is there anything that kind of drove your passion into what you do now? Yeah. So these are always hard to answer because it's like like tenfold. It's a lot. Well, we got time. I know. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you asked me a few questions. You asked like about the nonprofit and then mm-hmm. if, if there's something that made me passionate about it, like my childhood. Yeah. Well, my parents are were very loving and sacrificial and hospitable. Okay. So like, um, I always had my friends over, mm-hmm. and most of the time I had friends. We didn't we didn't have a lot of money. Like I always lived in apartment complexes. Okay. I always had friends who you who had single parent households. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, an absent father, um, and like sports teams that you know we would just have them over my mom was always a team mom okay. she's wild um and she she'd come from a lot of adversity she lost both her parents at a young age oh, like 19 and then okay. um raised her, her brother and was in poverty and so wow. she just made me very grateful my, my my dad as well sacrificed a lot so they instilled that in me um and then i i also had a lot of friends who were in foster care growing up but i didn't even realize because as your kid you don't wow. think about like, oh, right. you're in a group home, like, you know, you right. just go hang out with them. And so sports really consumed my life. Wrestling was like my love. And um, that that was able to get me into doors. It, I got a scholarship to go to GCU, okay. which is a private Christian university. And I didn't want to go to a school like that. It was great. A lot of great opportunities there. Okay. They have so many ministry opportunities, ways to get plugged into like homelessness, refugee work, at-risk youth. Um, elderly homes and so I was exposed to a lot of that my freshman year that's when like the wheels started turning and I felt like I was finding my purpose mm-hmm. I had a huge like awakening like my freshman year in 2013 so then I I got ment- a mentor with my best friend and we slowly were just interning you know game planning little entrepreneurial businesses he loved shoes he would sell shoes like we did a shirt a t-shirt uh, clothing thing and okay. fun things like that and then our my senior year 2016 17 our our met one of our mentors asked us to start a nonprofit okay. so that's kind of what 
how to start it, learning the statistics of youth in foster care in Arizona was, was wild to me. Yes. I worked at a camp for a week and then it was kind of crazy that I like, I couldn't help but like cry at the end of this camp. Mm. And I was like, I was like, wow, how I can't live another day without trying to do something in my power wow. um, to give, give someone else some of the privilege I have. Mm-hmm. That's, that was like the beginning kind of, Okay. yeah. Okay, so your mom and dad, it sounds like they instill a lot of those really great qualities mm-hmm. of just caring about other people. But then I also heard it really came from a space of gratitude of just wanting to give back and really be a voice for the voiceless, I call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, what is your nonprofit and what does it focus on? Our nonprofit, uh, it was so fun coming up with the names. <laughs> you just write a bunch of names, you know, choose the coolest one. Right. Um, so we came up with the Send Phoenix. We did trademark it. Okay. The, the whole point of it was that we didn't want to have to rely on the state um, or the government to, to fulfill these needs for like the least of these. Mm-hmm. You just, it was just something that we, we realized that if we wanted it to be as intentional and like loving as possible, mm-hmm. we wanted to have the last say on things. Mm-hmm. And um, we just know that this field and this demographic, it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. So usually people from the outside who are whether investors or, or, or want to support it, they expect it to look a certain way, mm-hmm. like make, make it more sexy, like, hey, mm-hmm. let's make it more controlled and safe. Mm-hmm. But that's not the reality of, of working with people who've gone through a lot of hurt. Right. We, we leased a house in South Phoenix. Okay. Um, our friend had this affordable housing in there and it was in the cut, 24th Street and Broadway. It was dangerous. Like, oh, wow. like it was it, at a time in Phoenix, it was the highest in for crime, wow. um, like drug trafficking, sex trafficking. But wow. at the time, it wasn't that crazy. You know, you hear gunshots every once in a while. Right. Um, our neighbors were like, it was a vacant home, but like there was homeless people that lived out there, mm. always bonfiring. But they were they were friendly. Mm-hmm. They would occasionally just storm in the house, use the bathroom. That was scary. Um, wow. Yeah, but. That in that home, we were able to bring in young adults. Um, we got we got accredited um, as a five hundred one c three tax credit, and then slowly got donors from churches we knew mm-hmm. and, and friends. But basically, we worked full time. We worked full time okay. at a an RTC residential treatment center called okay. YDI. Okay, it's like a prison for kids. Oh, you ever been? They, wow. they, there's a part of it is a sex offender unit. So okay. these kids have been usually they've been sex they've been offended mm-hmm. themselves, and so. Um, they're there for treatment. They have, they're court ordered to be um, in therapy. They have to pass polygraphs. And then another unit is general mental health, behavioral health, and substance abuse. And so those kids just um, have different types of, of problems, more underground and criminal behavior. So working there with my best friend, he learned the ins and outs while we were doing the house thing. And um, yeah, it was just making like a dorm style home where the young adults had dignity and like freedom mm-hmm. while giving them resources and plugging them into community because we think that one of the biggest missing pieces was the state or, or whoever it was third party services. Mm-hmm. They wanted to like give these kids like, you know, a floaty or like a paddle or, or a life vest to swim. But they, these kids needed a boat. They needed something to float on mm-hmm. um, and housing that was affordable. Mm-hmm. So that, that's just hard to find sometimes, Absolutely. right? Especially now. That's where you allow them to feel safe and like get get on their feet and, and fail, mm-hmm. you know, and then fail again and then again. Mm-hmm. But s- someone needs to do that just like we had that for ourselves, like for me with my parents. Right. I, you know, I, I would always have to call them still, even up until, you know, being a um, 
you know, 25 year old, 26 year old, where I need something. And and these young adults who don't have anyone, you know, they're calling their old staff or case manager. Mm -hmm. So helping them create that family and safety net so that they can eventually be independent. That was like the main goal. So with your nonprofit, do you guys um, provide like transitional housing for underserved youth? Is that what you guys like focus on? And then what would they have to pay if they stayed at your facility? Yeah, so so now where our nonprofit is, is we've been through kind of like a restructuring okay. because we were private. We, were, we weren't funded by the state. Mm-hmm. We weren't under a contract, mm-hmm. which we wanted. We had DCS reach out to us a few times throughout those years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, had, I had moved on to a few church campuses to okay. help them start a housing model. So Thrive is one of them. Okay. I moved to Dream City Church, helped them plant a home, stayed there for a while, and then had a, had a house leader move in. And then I moved to another church, Living Streams Church. Okay. Did the same thing, brought in some young adults, you know, ran a program. And then I moved out of there in 2020 okay. during COVID. Um, I was in, I'm in an apartment um, with with a, a, one of our graduates, and now I'm at Ohana, running the program there. Okay. But um, the model is to provide affordable housing, and it's for young adults uh, aging out of foster care. Okay. Because they receive a subsidy if they enter the program. Right. So they'll receive, you know, at the time it was like 700 and. $60 a month. Okay. And it would go down in tiers every like three months until they're 21. Okay. The problem was is the young adults out of foster care usually didn't want to sign this voluntary waiver to, to stay in it to receive mm-hmm. the resources because they were tired of paid people in their life to tell them what's best for them. They just had so much hurt from people and didn't trust people and people in and out of their lives, empty words, empty promises. And then to expect them to just like trust as they're 18 to like stay in it when they have the choice, it's it's foolish. So we wanted to help create a more approachable model. Mm -hmm. And so now just this year in October, they just released the new contract for aged out housing. So now the state is funding it. So yeah, so okay. so me and my best friend who, who started this model are, are so happy because I mean yeah. they're not giving us credit, wow. but <clears throat> but you the, guys fought for that. Yeah, and the model yeah. they have is like it's it's basically what we had. Like it's not strict. Wow. There's not twenty four seven staff. Wow. There's not forced twenty four. Uh, there's not forced random drug tests, mm. which are all the things that we fought for that other people uh, pulled out on funding or. Mm broke up our partnerships because they didn't feel that that was safe Mm -hmm. so that's what's that's like the best news ever that like we had that this this past month so yeah yeah, I'm so excited yeah that's awesome well let's talk about this new role new role that you have at Ohana what are you doing now with them because it sounds like you just like a a vessel and you're you're planted in all these different places (laughs) to just help get their programs up and established and running that's amazing what are you doing now it is a blessing and a curse because i'm like man i I get bored quick oh okay but um at ohana now um i was community engagement okay which in community engagement it was like everything was it was life skills my like the owner he he basically made a a a job description for me okay like things i wanted to do okay so I got to do life skills in the homes with the young, uh, with the youth, eleven to seventeen. Okay. So I created a curriculum, like twelve week program that just hits some like topics that are tools that a youth should should at least be talked to about before they're homeless or mm-hmm. aged out. Mm-hmm. So you know, 
those things are important and work program stuff. So getting them ready for the workforce okay. and then mentorship. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, just training anyone off the street who is passionate or wants to serve and give back to be able to love on one of the youth in our homes. Mm. So that model is the best because they, they, they usually never have someone who's unpaid in their life. Mm. Especially that's not kin. A lot of the kids I've worked with, just they usually don't have anyone besides like an old staff or therapist or something. So this mentorship program was incredible. Like the first time we launched it, within like six, seven months, three of the kiddos were getting like fostered through it. And wow. some of the people had never had experience with kids in foster care. Okay. So they just got to hang out with them. And then I did like event planning, you know, going to like a Grand Canyon was one of the biggest ones was I had a buddy who who's working there now, who I, I, I went to school with there. He's overseeing a program that I used to be, I used to get scholarship for. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to him, like, hey man, what do you think about this? Like I got, you know, like 40, 50, 40 to 50 foster youth, and then I have like same 40 to 50 special needs foster care youth. Oh. Can we like start a ministry for this? Cause that's what I used to do at GCU. Okay. And he's like, yeah, let me run it by. And then got cleared. So all of our kids go to the GCU on Monday nights and then oh. special needs foster care Wednesday nights. Okay. Hang out, have fun and that they just get to see themselves in the community mm -hmm. with a lot more uh people and social interaction, which just yes. brings up I guess just your self esteem. Absolutely. You feel like you have a purpose and so those are the types of things that I was doing, but now it's specifically transitional housing when the kids are eighteen or turning eighteen, mm -hmm. getting them ready and overseeing that. Case management stuff, schooling mm -hmm personal goals. And how long are they in transitional housing? So there's, so right now the state is, I think, subsidizing until they're 21 yeah. or they pushed it to 23. I say they should push it as far as they can. Yeah. Just because the, the way that the trauma affects the brain, like cognitively, it's just a lot harder for them to push past certain um, old habits or things mm -hmm. to get into trusting someone, mm -hmm. which trusting someone is just pivotal in any workplace like you have to trust your supervisor you know trust the people you're talking to and trust yourself and so mm -hmm. so they you know I've, i like for example when me and andre first started and there wasn't a program and it was just ours mm -hmm. in 2018 we had two guys who were like 27 26 and me and andre were 21 wow. so i'm over here like this guy looks like my dad he wow. was my dad but yeah. um you know they they, they were homeless mm -hmm. and needed a place and so we, we had a place for them, and they, they ended up making way more money than me and Andre wow. got on their feet. Wow, yeah. good for them. Do they still work with you guys? So we, uh, we do keep in contact with them, and the goal is to, as the program develops more that's funded by the state, is to bring those, those graduates on board. Mm. And um, they're just, you know, that, look, that's the hope for a kid who can see themselves in someone, because mm -hmm. that, that's a big disconnect is... People who do make it out of foster care and do okay for themselves, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of, of, of pouring back mm -hmm. into it. <clears throat> so it's hard. I'm, I had both my parents. Yeah. I'm super privileged to these kids, right? Absolutely. And so when I'm sitting and talking to them, it's hard for them to listen to me because they're like, you don't get it. Mm -hmm. But when I bring in one of our graduates, which I love to do, mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, I, you don't need to listen to me. Just I'll let them talk. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wow. Um, so yeah. that's the best. So I see that you're very spiritual. And how do you incorporate that in like your just daily walk and life and business with working with these underserved youth? It's for sure a journey. So GCU is a private Christian university. So you, you leave there 
with like an idea of what like you think you know a relationship with God is and Christianity. So then I get you know me and Andre start this nonprofit. We're living in South Phoenix. You know we have like dudes trying to break in our house at night, um, and then we go to work where it's a lockdown facility and kids are are going to be registered sex offenders if they don't pass a polygraph and like. That's, it's a circumstance that was given to them because of what their parents did to them. Wow. And so, like, just a lot of, like, huge culture shock. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like, I didn't know any Christians in the workplace. Like, it was so different. And so, I was just like, God, like, how do you say you're good? And there's, I see, I would get calls at least, like, twice a month of a, a kid who was homeless needing housing mm -hmm. from a church or, or someone or they found it on our website. Yeah. So it was slowly getting really, really depressing. Mm -hmm. um, like the same rituals or disciplines I had from, from GCU or in college, you know, interning at churches, being a leader, it didn't really apply. Um, so I had to like switch it up. So now as I've matured over the years, like eventually I, over, I think in 20, end of 2018, I worked, I, I worked at a church, Living Streams, and I was uh, the high school pastor there. Okay. That, was, that, was, that was fun, but also like one of the hardest seasons ever too, because mm -hmm. I was like, I'm not the one for this. Like, mm -hmm. I wanna be in the mud, you know, and get dirty with, with the kids who people don't wanna get dirty with. Mm -hmm. um, and anyone can kind of do this role where it's, you know, it's fun and mm -hmm. it's easier. So after about a year and some change there and some mentorship, I was able to like, see more of like why the God gave me the passions I had. I would say that a uh, relationship with God is very unique to certain people that there's biblical um, practices that are important. Like fasting is really good for you. Like sacrificing something so that you can have some suffering to appreciate your blessings a lot more. Mm -hmm. And those are things that I'm blessed with and privileged by working with a lot of youth who have, have a lot less than most people mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. So those types of things keep me really grounded um, and, and appreciative. So being really aware of your privileges and not getting lost in like comparison of like the society and what other people are doing because this whole time me and my best friend were, were making all these sacrifices, you know, and you're sacrificing your privacy, a lot of traveling, like, you know, you see people your age like going out and doing fun stuff and we're over here like in a nonprofit where we're not you know, in the make, yeah, not, yeah, not getting still paid. Had to have a job. Yeah. yeah, so it was like, it was tough. Um, like we, we for sure, like we're at each other's necks in different times, but yeah. all in all, like, it's all about like the relationships around you and, and appreciating those people, being grateful and lo having love. To have love is like so great mm -hmm. because if you believe in like evil, then there's good. And so there must be a source of love. And to me, I know that God embodies that, mm -hmm. but you can't just say like, oh, God is this. And so, you know, when you're making sure that in, in life that there's things that are truthful and there's things that are true, and so navigating through what, what, what that is, because I work with a youth, I'm not going to tell them I'm a Christian. Because mm -hmm. one, I think a lot of people don't know what Christianity is because it's just not, people don't do it right. So if they do ask me, I'll be like, yeah, like I follow Jesus' teachings. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm a sinner just like you. Mm -hmm. So setting a common ground, like, hey, I'm not here to, like, save you. Mm -hmm. Only God can do that, but I'm here to love on you. Yeah. So that usually takes way less words and way more action. Mm -hmm. And so that's what people like aren't that. wanting to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it means you 
show up there mm-hmm. to go see them on their birthday. Mm-hmm. You're there. Like, this this last Thanksgiving was my first Thanksgiving with my family in the past five years. Wow. I've just made sure to go in the home because it means a lot to them. And, you know, Christmas, same thing, Easter and, like, New Year's. So my family knows, like, they don't hit me up to go out of town wow. on the holidays. Wow. They'll, hit, they'll know it's either before or after. Wow. Because that that will just allow you to have more relational capital in, in someone's life because mm-hmm. they know, like, you were there and you sacrificed your time to be with them. And so those types of things I know that God has his, has a heart for, and those are way more important than a lot of other things that people prioritize mm-hmm. in their in their walk. So those things are what I love. Um, I'm really close with my family. Those are some of the things. I could talk forever about the like, spiritual thing. It's like, <laughs> wow, it's that, that's awesome. Um, and this is the Signature Required podcast, right? And we um, stand firm on our purpose and walking in your purpose and wearing your name proud. And so I never let anyone leave without asking, what is your purpose in life? I would say that I that I would just be able to leave on an impression of like that there is hope. Super cliche, but I think that the reason people make like sometimes impulsive decisions or you know they they don't feel like this this life is is worth living. Mm-hmm. Um, well, which side note, I also work. I'm a I'm a, I'm a private contractor for a suicide oh, hotline okay. chat nine eight eight. It's a okay. brand new program. Okay. And so I work with people who are um, having thoughts of suicide or have that in the past. And so, so it's just like always on my mind. But if you can have a glimpse of hope, whether it's someone who's going to text you in the morning, mm-hmm. an outfit that you can't wait to wear, mm-hmm. or, or like it's a, an event that's planned or an activity. That's something I've learned by, you know, especially working with these, this demographic, living with them and seeing what it, what is it that will help them want to live longer. For me, like it is fulfilling for me because I'm like, cool, like stand on my shoulders because you know I'm already I could die tomorrow. I'll be I'll be I'll be thankful, and I lived a, a great life that I I'm love I love. But um, I have this tattoo with my best friend in this field because mm-hmm. uh, we would just come home driving on shifts some nights and I'd be like, bro, it would sure be nice to die and go to heaven. Like <laughs> uh, we so we, it says heaven can wait. Because there's just a lot of people who are like living in their comfort of their, you know, salvation or their security mm-hmm. of their family. And, you know, they're good to go. But there's so many people suffering. Mm-hmm. It it's, doesn't hurt to like see see that. But I think there's a, there's, there's a lack of like people being aware of that still. Mm-hmm. Like being able to give someone hope too is such a blessing to yourself. Absolutely. And I think that humans do have that instilled in them. I think that... God instills that in, in, in people, and that's a part of his image that we bear. But for me, it is like that hope, you know. Um, and then also that, like, people are like, what, what would you want your funeral to be like? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I do want it to be, like, sad, but, like, turn up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want to be fitted. Like, <laughs> whether it's, like, a three-piece baby blue, like, temptation suit. Okay. Or, like, and, like, some crazy you know, grails, shoes, and something, but life, this life is so short, it so is. temporary. It is. That's good. How can people help you? What, what, what do you have going on? What's your next projects for 2023? How can they contact you? How can they be of service? What are you looking for? What are some needs that can be met? Uh, with uh, Ohana, social service agency, we oversee like around 200 plus youth in foster care. Okay. And this new program I'm overseeing, we are looking for um, housing options. Mm-hmm. And so um, the model 
it's comparable to like Airbnb. A lot of people know Airbnb, mm -hmm. so that's easy to, to explain. I, I basically, I've, I've reached out, I've been reaching out to people. There's a form on our website under transitional living where they can submit their info and I'll reach out to them. It's basically anyone who is interested in renting out like a bedroom to us and I can make sure like we'll, we'll pay them a flat fee mm -hmm. that covers, you know, utilities, room and board, and then the bathroom. And then we provide the services, the case managing, you know, we'll make sure we provide resources for transportation, med management. But like there's about a thousand youth in foster care that age out every year. Mm -hmm. So turn 18, don't get adopted. Of those thousand, there's only like a, like a small, like 20% that, that usually utilize the services. Okay. The rest kind of fall under the cracks mm -hmm. because they just hate like having to have someone paid to be in their life. Yeah. It's not dignifying. Yeah. So I'm trying to like break that percentage, but with this model that I know it, it can work and I've done it since, you know, 2017 and um, the state is behind. It's their first year like trying it out. And so they're like really slow on things, but basically someone who has an empty bed, who is close to public transportation or something, wants to get some cash for their bedroom. Like it's a, it's a win. You yeah. feel good about helping someone. We don't just move any youth in there, you know, we make sure that we vet them and they, they have to get referred because of, you know, if a kid comes out of like a hospital or a group home with nine other kids, mm -hmm. it's not appropriate to put them in a home where they have like a bunch of freedom. Right. So, right. so we have like a process on our side, but you know, that's part of, that's something that I've been working on marketing. So like anyone, like we have, we have kids who are on the east side, west side, north, what are the qualifications for the home? Bedroom. If they have a bed and a dresser, that's great. That means they're they're a lot quicker to, to be um, hosting. Oh, okay. If they're close to public transit, that's a big plus. If they don't have kids in the home, I, I can understand where um, that's more accommodating. Where if you have youth in the home, yeah. it's just you're going to be worried about your kids, mm -hmm. right? Um, but like I said, we have our vetting. Mm -hmm. There's certain like little rules like curfews and, and, and guests over. If you can be more lenient on those things, you know, these are young adults, like, they want to, they want to be, they want to have freedom. Yeah, right? normalcy. Normalcy, and so that's something that they've usually not had. Right. So we have the structure for it. We don't expect authority from, like, a host home. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do the incident report stuff. It's so easy to qualify. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay. so easy, like, anyone. And then what about your nonprofit? Yeah, good question. I'm still meeting with my boy, my boy Andre. He... So what's really cool is he works with, um, it's, it's called Adonaya. And so they, he, he, um, he bidded for the contract and they got it too. So me and him both are working, overseeing the contract, okay. um, which is exciting. It's not like how we imagined it. Mm -hmm. um, he's done real estate and, and stuff like that. And so um, I'm, I'm having to like see what we should do with it um, because there's a few ideas. Um, it's a lot of work. Too, I know you know as an entrepreneur. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. So we'll see. Maybe revamp it. I don't know. I don't know honestly. And so the contract that you guys have that is for transitional living, or is it for what is it for? Yeah, it's for transitional living. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you guys just trying to figure out what exactly you guys want to do with the yeah. So like Ohana is a social service agency. We got the contract there, and so I'm overseeing the program there. Okay. With the send, 
We've kind of been using it as a marketing tool with our donors that we've had and our following. But because me and Andre have both been doing separate things, we don't know if we want to keep it. Because the best part of it was it, it was like the dream that helped set the precedent for the standard of, of housing for youth out of foster care, mm-hmm. which is so, so cool. If it, I don't know if it's going to, you know, still be something, you know, and I'm working with Ohana now, and so... Yeah kind of a conflict of interest, that was what I went there to do. Because you have more pool and resources under an agency umbrella. And I have company cards. Yeah, that makes it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I'm so happy that you just came and shared because there's a lot of people who don't know about what these kids go through. Um, There's not enough resources, unfortunately, for these kids that are underserved. And yeah. so for you to be so young, I just really want to commend you and give you your flowers while you're here and just say thank you. Thank you, you know, um, there are a lot of kids who need people like you, who need us, right? Who need people that care. And unfortunately, it, there's not enough people. Right. It, it's just not enough. You see kids that are in these group homes and in foster care. And if you have five, six, seven different kids in one home, then nine times out of ten, the home is understaffed. Mm-hmm. And so the kids kind of yep. just fall, you know, in the cracks, yeah. you know. And so having individuals like yourself and your best friend who just seen a need and said, God, send me, I'll go. Yeah. You know, that's huge. And if there's any way that we can help you can partner, yeah. you can do whatever. Let the people know where they can find you okay. on your website, um, how they can donate, you know, yeah. to you, how, you know, whatever. Yeah. We don't know who can watch, you Man, know? Like yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. um, yeah, of course. So, you know, you reminded me, like, I always forget this because I don't, like, plan something when I'm going on a podcast. I'm just like, I'm just going to answer the questions. But yeah. it's like some statistics for, for use in the foster care because I think that I always assume people should know or like Mm -hmm. will know or have seen it but there's like around 14,000 youth in foster care in Arizona we're like top five per capita in in the states and um, there's about 3,500 licensed foster families so that means if every licensed foster family adopted or fostered there'd still be you know like 10,000 plus so 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 with that being said there's about a thousand that will age out every year and so of those of that population, there's about five out of 10 will, will be homeless within a year. Mm. And then four out of 10 will be jobless. Uh, four out of 10 will be incarcerated within a year. 70% of the girls are expected to be pregnant by 21. 50% expectancy to get a, a GED or high school diploma. And then like 3% or less to get a higher degree. Um, so that says a lot about the education system. and. America's homelessness, about 50% of it is made up of youth who have been in foster care or have aged out. Mm-hmm. So, like, this one specific people group just tackles so many things, you know. Early teen pregnancy, dropout rate from schooling, incarceration, just homelessness, poverty, you know. And so, it's almost a no-brainer, you know, if you hear this or if you're an investor or you're a business person, like, you want to know where your tax dollars should go to youth in foster care so like my my info my work email is is isaiah at ohana az which maybe we can post it sure um my instagram it's i sometimes use it for business it's just weird like i'm super creative so i like i'll post shoes and stuff but <laughs> i do i do um do some like consulting stuff on my instagram 
for like you know trauma training stuff um, or just partnering with it so if you want to reach out on my Instagram that's okay and um, I can give you all that info yeah it, it doesn't need to be through me there's people doing it what you're doing Brittany is incredible and so you know just being aware and, and seeing what that does to your heart and then how you can use your privilege to love on some kiddos awesome well we appreciate you coming to signature required yeah. um you're welcome anytime if you have anything going on you want to put it on the podcast share it with the audience you are more than welcome to do that thank you this has been our time i am Brittany renee and signature required is here to stay check out our merch at signaturerequired.com if you're looking for a personal development coach, I can be reached at BrittanyRenee.com. And we will see you back next time. Peace.